Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Let's get into this, shall we? Uh, more more Uvalde footage now, and I'm going to go through this step by step because this doesn't answer anything. It just asks more questions. It it uh, it requires way more questions now. There are more questions now. So it's not, oh, people died. That's not it. That's not the conclusion a person can reach here. But we can reach now, apparently, some logical conclusions that, of course, we couldn't earlier, which is why we were asking questions, and that was the whole point. So first of all, I'll preface it by saying this. If you don't want to listen to this breakdown, that's fine. You can turn this podcast off and never listen to it again. If you think I'm crazy because I don't think anybody died and no, no kids or teachers died, that's fine too. Again, I'm not going to believe that that's the case because I haven't seen it yet. This, this four-minute footage that's edited like you would not believe if you've seen it, and it's up on my Gab page and it's been bouncing around everywhere, it doesn't answer any more real questions. It apparently answers the question that this guy was in the building, that he waltzed right into the building. Okay, great. But again, I'm going to break this down step by step because it requires it just it requires more questions to be even asked. We also have to understand this. The depths of a psychological operation are deep and purposeful. That the the entire reason that psychological operations exist is to manipulate people psychologically, to trick them. That even when a particular event occurs, and then they learn more down the line. That that operation is being timed out purposefully of getting that person to unbelieve or unlearn what they actually knew to begin with. See, none of this footage erases the crisis actors, does it? None of this footage erases the quick, the quickly. Uh, quickly made and manufactured makeshift memorials that immediately went up. None of this erases the fact that they're demolishing the building, apparently. None of this erases, again, all the terrible crisis actors. That entire story, again, of the two Garza dads and how it was quickly exposed by people like us who listen to this show that, well, one of them is a stepdad. And then immediately the media says, oh, well, the reason people are getting confused is because one of them is the stepdad. This is all being done on purpose to continue to trick us, to get us to doubt ourselves. And I, I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it. Until I see a dead kid come out on a gurney who's actually dead, not these, not these fake actors with fake movie blood on them, which, by the way, you need to understand that that is actually a thing that happens in American K-12 schools, where they will run a drill much like this to the extent where they actually put fake blood and fake bullet wounds all over students who are acting so that they can take pictures and then tell the local newspaper we were running a drill and this was a drill, but in a drill situation, this is what you would want to do. Again, this four-minute footage creates even more questions. 
And it has nothing to do really for me with a lack of police response. That's not, that's not really it. That was a fast police response. It was approximately three minutes after the, the, this guy entered the building. Um, again, are real bullets being fired? We don't know. There's no way to know that. Like I said, the video is heavily edited. It even says at the top that the screams of children and teachers are, uh, are, are purposefully edited out so that you cannot hear them. Awfully convenient that that would be the case. If they were interested in the truth, the whole truth, then you would show us the entire video in its entirety instead of chopping it up and editing it. Now, if us talking about that now causes them to either create another video and put audio on top of it and edit it and re-edit it and whatever else, you know, if that satisfies certain people, so be it. But I don't trust government. And I don't trust storytellers. I don't trust Hollywood. I don't trust these people. I just don't. I have yet to see a single tear out of anybody. All of these parents that lost kids, allegedly. Sorry, I have yet to see a tear. I always go back to Brandon Elrod. That, that guy that I caught in those videos... Uh, you know, saying and re-saying his lines and trying to remember his lines and, uh, you know, if we could only find the funeral home, we, you know, because my kid's gone. But I, I got the time to stand here and, and, and give an interview to, uh, to a, local, a local person with a camera in their hand. But, you know, my, my baby girl's gone, but whatever. I mean, come on. Come on. N none of this erases the crisis actors. None of it. I've been over that before. I'm not going to revisit it. It's too easy. It's too easy. And that's not, you know, it's low-hanging fruit for us that are awake, but it's not low-hanging fruit for the people that actually think that this occurred. You have to keep in mind, they're keeping this fresh in people's minds, piece by piece by piece, because they want to drag this out. Again, it's a psychological operation. They're doing this to drag this out as long as they can to get people to go against one another to blame one another, you were right, you were wrong, you know, you said this, you said that, whatever. Now, I, you know, I'm not going to apologize for anything I've said. I'm standing by the comments I made based on the evidence at hand. Now there's this video, which is not evidence. The only thing it proves is that allegedly this person did in fact enter the building. But that's it. That's all, that's all it really shows. It shows a lot of weird behavior on police officers' parts. That's odd. There's security footage of the truck crashing. We finally see that. Seems, seems weird because then they edit it so you can't actually see the gunman working his way from the, from the truck to the school. But I'm just going to get into the video here. Okay, at the very beginning, it says March 11th. I'm sorry, it doesn't say March 11th. Um, well, again, I, I can't even believe the time of, of, of all of this either, let alone the date on the camera. I'm not even going to believe any of that because I don't know. But it says 11-28-20, which again seems odd based on previous stories that were being told, but whatever. The, the, the text message, and this is a local, uh, a local news outlet that, that has put this out. So 
keep that in mind too. They're the ones that have edited this video and, and, and thrown in all of the text on top of it. It says on May 24th, surveillance video shows a truck crash near Robb Elementary. Truck rolls down on the right side, turns to a little, a little bit to the left, and then down the hole it goes. And then it says the gunman in the crash vehicle fires three shots at two men who approached the, scene, the crash scene. Now, you can't hear the gunshots, but you see what appears to be two guys running away from the truck. And they look like they're dressed in black. They look like police officers, frankly. The next clip, um, a couple of minutes later at 1131, it says a teacher called 911 to report the gunman. And they're saying the kids are running. They say, oh my God. One, two, three, four, five, I guess. Potentially five shots. It says the gunman begins shooting into the building. And the, the, the same teacher says, get down, get in your rooms, get in your rooms. It says bystander video catches the captures the gunman entering the school. And then they have inside the video or inside the school of the guy walking into the building at approximately 11:33. The guy walks into the building and he walks past three classrooms. Three, one of which on his left-hand side the lights are on in the classroom. So uh, instantly, my first question is, now that this person is inside of this room, and we're assuming, I might add, that this is all the same day. Keep in mind, you know, we're assuming this is all the same day. We're, we're, we're assuming this is not drill day. Because again, keep in mind, again, they had drills in that district either a couple of days before or certainly the week before. So he walks into the building, but he walks past three classrooms. So why does he pick this other classroom halfway down a large hallway instead of the three classrooms that he passes? He's carrying one gun, one rifle. He turns to his right, and he walks right down the hallway. And the camera turns, he drops the gun to his side, corrects his hair, fixes his hair, pulls the gun back up. And then it says, a young student comes around the corner as the gunman walks down the hall. And then it says, editor's note, a child has been blurred to protect the child's identity. Convenient. The sound of children screaming has been removed. But they can apparently add in on top the audio footage of an alleged gun being shot, but we can't hear people screaming. I don't, I don't get it. But the, the, this gunman allegedly turns to the left and then enters what appears to be a potential classroom. You can't see that far down the hallway, but what you can see down the hallway is what appears to be an exit door at the, at the very end of the hallway. This is where it gets weird because, again, you end up seeing in the video what appears to be a couple of children or a couple of adults running out of the building. And then, again, the surveillance video goes away. The kid runs back into the classroom, and it says the gunman fires a his AR-15 inside two classrooms for two and a half minutes. Authorities say more than 100 rounds were fired. Now, at 11.36, three minutes later or when the cops show up. That's a fast response time. 
That's a quick response time. Again, you can still see at the very end of the hallway that the door is, you know, that there's a door down there. There's clearly an exit door down that way. So a couple of cops walk in, and then a third, and a fourth, and now already a couple of people, a couple of other police officers have come in from the other side of the hallway. So now they're, again, yeah, they've come through the other exit door, but now there's, you know, at least half a dozen to a dozen cops standing around in the hallway. They're all in front of the door. Most of them are in front of the door, three or four or five of them. And then there's a few other guys walking back and forth in front of the camera. Nothing is going on. Guy looks at his cell phone. Cop looks at his cell phone, puts his cell phone back in his pocket. Some more shots. And then it says, four minutes later, officers retreat to the hallway and take cover after shots were fired by the gunman. They turn their back to the gunman and walk away. Again, is that, is that policy? Do, do, you, do you turn your back and walk away if, to the, to the quote-unquote enemy who has a gun? Does that happen? I don't know. It seems weird. One guy ran. But the other guy's like, eh, I'll stroll, and then he just takes a walk. It says more heavily armed officers continue to arrive with ballistic shields. It says 31 minutes later, nothing. 36 minutes later, still no rescue attempt is happening. 48 minutes later, the gunman is heard firing four more rounds. Now, here's where it's interesting. And I'm, gonna, I'm pausing the video, and of course I'm, I'm rocking through this video as I'm, as I'm talking to you. Based on the real-time meter that they have in the upper left-hand corner, which says 20, uh, 1221 in the afternoon, two cops start to walk forward, forward with their guns drawn, but not a single one of them thinks to take the shields with them. If you have the shields, don't the shields go first in front of the gunman? Again, I'm not saying these are the sharpest knives in the drawer, but if, in fact, this is not a drill, which, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't know. But at this point, don't you take the shields with you? And aren't the people carrying the shields at the forefront of, of walking down this line of police officers? Then finally, five cops deep, two cops pick up shields and start to run toward the front of the line. Seems like they'd have to go first. Then, 57 minutes into it, at exactly 12.30, you see a cop walk straight across the hallway to the hand sanitizer thing and hand sanitize his hands. Uh, I, I, I don't get it. And keep in mind he's he's using the hand sanitizer machine in front of the alleged dad who had the alleged kid inside of the building who also allegedly works for the police department who's just standing there again the dad is just standing there but the guy hand, san, you know sanitizing his hands now i could be wrong on my history again and i'm not saying these are the sharpest knives in the drawer but i don't recall the Earp brothers and Doc Holliday using hand sanitizer during the OK Corral shootout. I mean, did somebody say, time out, I need to use hand sanitizer? It's weird. Which again, why would they leave that in? If they're editing this video, if we're assuming black hats are editing this video, 
Why would they leave in a police officer using hand sanitizer in the middle of this? Is it because it plays into the incompetence of the police officers, or did White Hats put this thing together to show us all of these anomalies, to basically show us how ridiculous this is? I'm not sure. Again, I'm an honest person here. I'm not sure. It seems odd to me, though. Does it not? It seems odd. I'm going to continue with the video. Three, four, five pumps with hand sanitizer. No big deal. Walks backwards, rubbing his hands. Apparently, there's some more shooting. Officers breach the classroom and kill the gunman, it says, at approximately 12.50, which would have been 20 minutes after the guy sanitized his hands. Now, what you can also see here is there's one cop holding back other cops in the hallway. But the alleged dad of the kid who allegedly died in the, in the classroom, he's being held back by two police officers now. They have their hands on him, and they're holding him back, and he's leaning up against the wall and just standing there. Now they push him out of the way, and they push a bunch of people out of the way, and they're saying, stay back, and blah, blah, blah. And other guys with helmets roll in, and then that's the end of the video. Okay. That was a longer breakdown. I'm sorry it took longer. Um, either way, it doesn't erase the crisis actors. Now let's look at this from the Sandy Hook standpoint. Because bad guys, again, they, they, you know, they have to mix up their plans and they have to cover their bases where they failed to cover them previously. In Sandy Hook, what did you not have? You didn't have surveillance video because it wasn't a school. It was a book depository. That's what, that's what that building was. It was filled with old books. It was filled with old desks and chairs. It was filled with old, old material. It was filled with mold. But they didn't have any security footage because they claimed, again, well, th the building was old and we didn't have money for security and whatever else. It was a complete lie. It had nothing to do with money. They just didn't have the security because they couldn't. Because no one died. So, what have they done in this case? Now what they've done in this case is the same thing that they did with Sandy Hook. They, they took all their crisis actors and they threw them right to the forefront for the media to just get a hold of as quickly as humanly possible. And they did. And we broke that down and we caught them. Because their crisis actors were bad. They were very, very bad. No tears. No nothing. No real remorse, nothing. And then, on top of that, in this particular scenario now, again, in, in their own paperwork, it said that there was not security footage in this school. But then all of a sudden, they said they had security footage, and then we started to see security footage and pictures, still pictures of video. Now, now they're releasing pieces of very heavily edited video. So that's what differs from the Sandy Hook thing, because again, the bad guys are learning. They're learning that in order to manipulate the public, they've got to give the public a little bit more. They need, they need a thicker spoonful this time, and more spoonfuls as opposed to what has occurred previously. Keep in mind, though, we haven't seen a dead body yet. We haven't seen anybody. If this person was a a government stooge, MK Ultra, whatever. 
which again, highly possible. Is it possible they they told this person exactly where to enter, what room to walk into, and whatever else? You know, it, it, that's possible. We, we just haven't seen any bodies yet. We haven't seen any security footage of any gurneys with real bodies coming out in body bags, not to mention, again, I ask questions because I'm a thinking human being. So what, what is inside a body bag? What's really inside of it? Not to mention, again, why would they not let local media or any media on the school premises to ask questions or look around? Keep in mind, that happened. They kept them away. They said, if you are anywhere around the school, even across the street, we're going to arrest you. Now, initially, people showed up and they started asking questions and taking pictures and whatever else. But then they said, everybody needs to leave now. Why? Why? Again, outside of the school building, why did we not see pictures of broken glass and, and bullet casings? We didn't see, we, we still haven't seen any of that. I do recall seeing in the initial videos from back when this happened, that outside of one of the rooms or one of the buildings, there again, there, were, there was sort of some, some random trash just kind of spread around, EMT bags laying around, and then what looked like, again, perceived to be blood on the sidewalk leading into one of the buildings. Now, somebody could have just spilled their Capri Sun there, or, you know, a can of Hawaiian punch or whatever. But again, why would there be blood outside of the building if it was in fact blood? If they killed the person inside? Not to mention, do you move a dead body from where they're dead inside of a building to the outside of a building without putting them in a body bag first? Do you just pick up a dead body, toss it on a gurney, let them bleed through the gurney onto the sidewalk? and then take them away wherever you want to take them. I don't think so. There's still way more questions here than anything else. I'm starting to doubt whether or not even the timelines are accurate because you can manipulate the cameras. You can manipulate the clock on a camera, which is why it's odd that they're not showing us the entire thing in chronological order. If this entire thing lasted 70 minutes, then show the entire 70 minutes. I mean, they're speeding it up clearly for the purposes of, I don't know, whatever, but it, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I would just encourage people to continue to think about psychological operations. They have to exist multidimensionally on purpose to trick people. That, that's the point. They have to be used to trick people, and they have to revisit the psychological operation to distract people from what is currently going on and then again get them to doubt their own minds. Case in point, this comes from the Gateway Pundit on July 13th, California Govern uh, Governor Newsom signs legislation allowing gun manufacturers to be sued for negligence, which again means what? It means the next false flag is going to occur inside of California. And then they're going to go after gun manufacturers or whatever company it is that, that manufactures said gun that was used in said false flag. That will be a thing. That will happen. 
California says enough. We're grateful that California governor signed the bill AB1594. We can finally hold the gun industry accountable for the harm they the, for the harm their products cause. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a perfect example of why they're revisiting the Uvalde thing because this just happened in California. And here's another thing that just happened as well, also from the Gateway Pundit, titled, Here's Your Chance to Weigh In on Biden's Woke Title IX Revision Allowing Boys into Girls' Bathrooms. The Department of Education has officially proposed its extension of the Title IX, a landmark civil rights law prohibiting sex-based discrimination in federally funded schools. The latest revision would include situations that apply to sexual orientation and gender identity. Give me a break. Not to mention, again, the farmers, the January 6th fiasco, all of it. You gotta hand it to the enemy. I mean, you gotta, you know... Kudos. Well done. Well played. Well played. You have to give it. You got, you got to hand it to them. They're pulling out and re-pulling out these same old cards, one after the other. Look over here. Not over here. Slight a hand over here. I really think something disappeared over here. I mean, they're doing a nice job of, of tricking people. But we have to think multidimensionally about this. I'm not going to apologize for anything I said about Uvalde. Not happening. Won't do it. I won't do it. I was making comments based on the evidence that was at hand, and they weren't releasing any evidence. Suspicious, was it not? Not to mention, and this is always the go-to, ladies and gentlemen, anything that we see from here on out regarding Uvalde, will ne- it will never it will absolutely never explain away the crisis actors. Not at all. It won't explain away how bad they were and how quickly they got exposed for being how bad they were. Not a single tear. Again, Brandon Elrod is my litmus test. He's my buoy in the water. <laughs> that piece of garbage. Again. Action. And then he goes, oh, you know, if we could just find uh, the funeral, oh, that's right, the funeral home. We could just find out where it is. Well, the only funeral home in town, Brandon, was right across the street from the school in the town you've lived in your whole life. And you're trying to explain to people that you don't know where it is and that your daughter is somehow dead in the middle of all of this and that she's missing and you don't know where she is. Stop it. Stop it. The crisis actors were the worst we've ever seen. This right here, ladies and gentlemen, is this is the part of their plan that gives up the entire thing. And it will always give up the entire thing. Like I said earlier, they they are they're making sure to put their feet on the correct bases this time that they didn't in the past. They didn't have surveillance footage of any shooter in Sandy Hook. This time they do. Because they said, okay, we got to have it this time. But do you actually think they would serve up students for something like this? But the, I mean, it's possible. It's possible the deep state would pack a room full of actual children, legal or illegal, and then have a MK Ultra guy run in there and, and just mow them all down. Look at the MK Ultra guy and goes, hey, look, that door's going to be open. 
walk in there, shoot them all up. By the way, they're in room number whatever. And then he walks in and, you know, finds it and then shoots up the place. That's possible. It's possible because they're evil people. But it's highly unlikely in this scenario because of the crisis actors. The crisis actors were terrible. Again, not a single tear among any of them. That has to be your home base psychologically in this, in this psychological operation. You have to go back to the crisis actors. Not because it's safe or it rationalizes our position or you know something like that. That's not it. It's that you can't forget that because that's called evidence. That's real evidence of a false flag. And yeah, that's, that's about all I have. Not to mention, what's keeping them from acting on camera? If, if they all knew that there was surveillance footage inside of that school, and I'm talking about all these police officers, if they knew that, which they had to have known, then what's, what's keeping them all from acting while they're inside that school? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. In particular, if they're getting paid. So, there are endless angles to this. But the angle that the one-dimensional non-thinker is going to take is the one that the very same media spoon-fed them that they will just willfully believe because it's convenient for them to do so. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to read a couple of comments on Gab, one in particular which I thought summed up the entire thing beautifully. And this comes from Snuggles at anti-Semitic. <laughs> Hilarious handle. A-U-N-T-I-Semitic. Okay. They said this, because there was a lot of back and forth, and there's a lot of back and forth with people, again, on Gab. And, and one, of the, one of the backs, uh, you know, sort of conversations that consistently takes place, which I find hilarious, is there's always somebody, and God knows who it really is, but it's always someone will say, you can't say no one died because I know someone who knows someone who went to the funeral. And you can't explain away all those distraught parents and all that crying and whatever else. Sure, I can. I can explain it away because I don't know who you are and it's social media. That's the easiest way to explain it. I don't know who you are. People know who I am. Again, American Education FM is is Sean Brooks. That's me. Same guy. That's the name of my podcast. That's why I have it my podcast name instead of my actual name name. But anybody who can click twice on a mouse can figure that out. My point is, is that in all of these false flags, in particular Sandy Hook, almost everybody, quote unquote, knew someone who knew someone who died at Sandy Hook. Now, at the time of Sandy Hook, I was coming to the end of my career in Southwest Florida, in Charlotte County, Florida. And wouldn't you know it? Someone in the district office was friends with or was sister-in-laws with the principal who was killed in Sandy Hook. What are the odds of that? I mean, sit on that for a minute. What are the odds? Because I have also heard from another family member that they knew someone who knew someone inside of that school who died. Bullshit. 
I don't believe it for a minute. I've explained this before in the past, and like him or not, he's he's ex-CIA and and he knows. His name is Kevin Ship. You should look up his videos. He gave one really long presentation a number of years ago, huge PowerPoint. He didn't spend a ton of time on it, but he did say this, and he's right. He said the Central Intelligence Agency is infiltrated in higher education, college, university level, and the K-12 school system throughout the entire country. They exist in these positions. The CIA can be school board members, union representatives, superintendents, building principals, and they might even toss in an occasional teacher or two. That's a real thing. That's real. That's not made up. That's not me being crazy or I've gone off the deep end. No, that's an actual thing. So again, People have to take that into consideration. You don't have to believe me, but you need to think about it. Now, here's Snuggles' breakdown, because someone was questioning them on uh, on my quick breakdown on Gab about it, and they they said this. It's hilarious. Perfect breakdown. Perfect logic, perfect reason. They were responding to somebody named at Buckeye Pookie 12 who was essentially criticizing me for saying that no one died. Well, I haven't seen anyone dead yet. So it says this. They, they responded back, Snuggles did, and they said, Thanks for dreaming up an irrelevant scenario and acting like number of followers is tantamount to capacity for logic. Because this Buckeye person basically said that this Snuggles person on, on Gab only has six followers, so just because they only have six followers, it must mean that, uh, that they're wrong on things. And thank God for Snuggles pointing this out. Uh, and their logo's little, you know, the, the Snuggle Bear. Absolutely hilarious. Um, but thanks for them pointing that out, because that, that's absolutely right. Followers on social media don't amount to anything. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that you're right or you're wrong. It's, it's, it's not a measuring stick. They continued, Snuggles did, and they said, no evidence of dead bodies, no evidence of wounding, no evidence of a crime scene and horrible crisis actors. Add to that a media who has lied nonstop about the Russia collusion hoax, the fake Whitmer kidnapping, the staged FBI Capitol break-in, ran interference for an undeniably stolen election, and lied nonstop about the COVID pandemic. If you believe the media and government at this point, you are, by definition, a fool. Unquote. I cannot sum it up any clearer than that. I'm not even going to try. That was well said, well written, and absolutely accurate. The point of psychological operations is to get us to deny what we know to be true. 100%. Let's go back to 9-11 real quick. You'll, you'll probably recall, for those of you that have done some digging on this, very recently, like six months ago, some random 9-11 video showed up again of the trade towers with one of the buildings allegedly already on fire, and then the second building 
exploding with the plane going through it. This was from a completely separate angle closer to the building that apparently no one had seen before. The only person saying on that video anything about a plane was the person doing the filming. The plane was CGI'd into into the into the into the footage. So why would you why would you do that this many years after the fact when there's endless footage of no planes hitting those towers whatsoever along of course with endless on the ground video footage of eyewitnesses saying that there were no planes because it's a psychological operation and they're trying to get you even this many years after the fact to deny what you already know to be true. If, in fact, again, you've looked into it the way that I have and countless other people have, it doesn't make us crazy. It makes us intelligent because we're thinking about things and we're breaking these things down as best we can. Not to mention, it doesn't hurt to understand the depth of evil and what evil actually means. Evil does not quit. When have you ever known evil to give up? It won't. And you've heard me say this too in the, uh, it, you know, it, it, endless times at the end of the, that Bilderberg book that I read a number of years ago, titled The Bilderberg Group. At the end of the book, it says they will not quit. The enemy won't quit. They have lots of plays, and recycling their narrative is one of those plays. So it doesn't mean that. We have to be distracted by it because, as I've said and as you know, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can pay attention to more subjects at once and then take certain things in. But what we can't allow ourselves to do is be tricked and fooled. If we're wrong about something, yeah, let's admit it. But we can't let new evidence or something new that we have seen or heard trick us into believing that what we know to be fact from the past somehow just disappears. We can't allow ourselves to do that. We got to keep moving forward. And we have to shut the book on certain subjects and just understand that maybe we're not going to know every single thing about a particular subject, and that's okay. That's 100% fine. So, yeah. Again, if you thought, I mean, if you thought Matthew McConaughey's presentation was, uh, you know, was Oscar worthy during the White House press, press meeting, you know, I, I I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. You're you're, you're looking at things at face value, uh, one dimensionally, and you're not uh, you know you're not investigating anything. Understand the depth of evil, because evil wants to trick us all of the time, and we can't let it. We just can't, or else evil wins, and I don't want evil to win. So, whatever. New Uvalde footage again. Uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't answer much more. It just creates way more questions, even more questions. So nice try hoaxers, nice try, uh, Uvalde deep staters, but, um, your, your footage isn't answering anything. It's just not. Why all the edited footage again and a thousand other things. Good. I, you know, the, the guy was inside the building apparently great. Okay, fine. You've proven that. Apparently. But now I have to jump back in, ladies and gentlemen, because there's a news story out there now about Uvalde. And wouldn't you know it, they keep identifying these cops that are inside of this hallway on the surveillance footage 
And wouldn't you know it, that one of the police officers, the police officer who's staring at his cell phone, which has the Punisher logo on it, is allegedly the husband of one of the dead school teachers. And <laughs> you just can't, you can't make this up. This is the school teacher. Uh, let's see, Eva Morellis, 44 years old. This is the same woman who looks exactly the same as the school teacher who allegedly died in Sandy Hook. And so what they're trying to what, what they're trying to convince people of now is that this husband standing at the end of the hallway down the hall of where his alleged wife's classroom is that he's holding a gun in his right hand and he's looking at his cell phone briefly looking down the hallway but he's not doing anything. Now, again, as a former school teacher, I can tell you endless things, many, much of which I've brought up on the show in previous episodes. I'll continue to bring them up because they're just too relevant. I can tell you firsthand that there are lots of married couples who work in the same building. And of course, there are lots of married school teachers whose spouses work outside of the school building. I can assure you that the spouses of school teachers know exactly where their classrooms are. They know where they are. This is information that is shared with them all of the time. They know it. There's no way that a spouse wonders where their husband or wife's classroom is. They know where it is. So, given that fact, which is 100% factual, why on earth would the husband of a school teacher who's working in that building, and he's staring down the hall at said classroom, where a gunman has entered, and he knows there's a gunman in there, why would he just be casually standing next to the door casing down the hallway looking in the direction of his wife's classroom and not be doing anything? Why would he just be, again, not doing anything? And there's no one around him, by the way. On the footage, he's looking at his phone and there's nobody around him. No one's holding him back like the other guy. Who's going, oh, you know, we got to hold him back because, uh, you know, his daughter's in there, man. We got to hold him back. No one's holding this guy back. He's just standing there, just chilling right next to the hand sanitizer machine on the, on the wall. It's absurd. It's absolutely nuts. Again, they have to recycle this as often as humanly possible. Which, again, brings up the questions... Who is editing these videos? Who's putting this together? Like I said, when, when they're editing the videos, now, well, here, here's what I will say, because I read this online, and, and this makes sense from the enemy standpoint, because you have to understand their motive. They want us disarmed completely as a citizenry. They want us to own no guns whatsoever. That's why the California law exists now where they can go after gun manufacturers if there's a gun crime. So we know that they're going to falsify something in California in the future so that they can go after the manufacturers of the guns. Got it. Now, with this, 
I read a scenario online that makes sense, and it is this. <laughs> it's, it's stupid, but it makes sense for the dummies. It basically stated that the reason that the police officers were so afraid to move in was because police officers are afraid of AR-15s. Can you believe that? Because in the line of police officers that are making their way towards said classroom, almost all of them have ARs in their hands. But we're supposed to now believe this new narrative that the reason that the parents, or that the, uh, well, yeah, sure, some of them were parents, but that these police officers didn't enter the classroom in a timely fashion was because they're afraid of the AR-15, the same ones that they themselves train with and personally own. Give me a break. It's an absurd angle, but ladies and gentlemen, it's an angle the enemy has to play because they've got to play these cops off as being dummies. They got to play these cops off as being afraid of guns. And there's nothing more logical than giving a bad guy a bigger gun than a good guy, according to them, apparently. It makes no sense because the whole thing was manufactured. It's still manufactured. Again, they were running drills the week before and days before this drill. And there's absolutely nothing keeping them from making the drill more realistic. They can do that. They can run a real drill in an empty classroom with a gun that's filled with blanks, and, and that's it. They might even be so stupid because, again, people wanted to sell this, of course, to the mainstream media and society and the world as if it was real. If they sent this person in the building with live rounds, I mean, risky if they're just trying to, you know, manufacture something, but sending them into an empty classroom to just start shooting with live rounds, I mean, I guess it's possible. It's possible. But it's, it's so unlikely that, uh, that it, it just defies logic. The, the, the entire thing is beyond absurd. And, and they can keep recycling this all they'd like. They can continue to edit, like I said in the past, as, as much footage as they would like. Audio on top of audio on top of audio. Um, you know, I, I can do that. I can do that from my, my little setup here. I can put a, a clown honking its horn on top of me talking and then me go, oh my God, a clown just walked in. And then people listening to it would believe it. And it would depend on, again, how serious I was when I was saying it and how realistic the clown noise was and whatever else. But uh, they, they, they just have to recycle this over and over and over again. So much so, I might add, that in this Daily Mail article, they revisit every single dead kid in their own sort of obituary kind of thing. They list them all again, including both quote-unquote teachers. Not to mention, the title of the article says this. Can't make this up, because it makes no sense, and you don't see this on footage at all. And they didn't do this with anybody else, but apparently they just did it with this guy. It says, quote, revealed 
Uvalde Punisher Screen Lock Cop is husband of teacher killed in school massacre and was disarmed and kicked out of building for trying to engage shooter while 16 other officers stood by. That's not true. That's not true. There were lots of officers just standing around. And again, on film, you can see one of the quote-unquote dads, who happens to be a police officer, maybe, being actually held back. But he wasn't disarmed either. And they're implying that it was the cell phone police officer who was the husband of the teacher who had to be thrown out of the building and disarmed because he wanted to go in. No, no. This is gaslighting because the footage doesn't show any of that. The footage doesn't prove any of that. In fact, he looks terrified. Or he looks like he's just chilling out, hanging out by, by the hallway doorway, uh, you know, at the end of the hallway there, minding his own business, glancing at his phone, and then just standing there. That's it. You don't see any officer be removed from that hallway intersection. Not a single one. The whole place was a cult, as far as I'm concerned. It was just a deep state stage and a cult. But, like I said, one-dimensional thinkers are going to believe this at face value instead of actually thinking about it deeper. Okay. With that said, there is so much going on right now that, of course, recycling this has to distract people from other things that are going on. But for those of us that can walk and chew gum at the same time, we have a pretty good idea as to what's going on. And I want to cut into a few other things here that are going on, because there's a lot. I have some jab-related stuff that I want to get into here in a minute, but first I, I want to spend some time on travel, because this is kind of interesting. Th there's video here of how there are no airport staff working within Heathrow Airport. Now, I've never been to England, but I do know that there are numerous strikes happening, of course, as a result of people not wanting to take the jabs. There are endless people who, of course, are sick who work within these industries who have taken the jabs and are feeling said ill effects as a result, and so they are short-staffed. I'm going to play this quick little audio here. It's a video, but it's a woman basically saying that all of the bags at baggage claim are just sort of randomly off of the conveyor belt and just around. And that people can't find their bags because there aren't enough people working there to sort bags or whatever. Seems pretty, uh, pretty interesting, in particular, if I'm not mistaken, that Heathrow Airport, being in England, is a major hub of international travel. Now, again, I've never been there. I'm, I'm taking a guess. But uh, seems weird. Not to mention, there was another post on... Greatawakening.win, uh, uh, I want to see, just a few days back, it basically just said, do not fly on airplanes. Countless people were just saying, don't fly on airplanes. And then the post, th this particular post ended up saying something along the lines of, yes, they're short-staffed, yes, they've been jabbed, but flying on airplanes is arguably one of the more risky things that you can do. Of course, as we know, the jabbed and the brainwashed have no idea that this form of transportation is exponentially more dangerous now than it's ever been. 
And this right here might end up having to be sort of a wake-up call for people. Because we know how angry people get when they start to travel and they lose their luggage. Or their accommodations aren't made in a timely fashion and then they start to get angry and they start to wonder why. Not to mention, of course, the uh, falling apart of numerous countries and their governments all across the world. And the protests that are taking place and the rioting and XYZ. These, you know, walking around people in the Matrix is a very difficult thing for us, for those of us who are awake. But I think anybody can wake up at particular times. But again, as shallow as it might be, seeing these accommodations for them start to crumble might be an actual wake up call. I'm not sure. But anyway, here's the audio from that video right now. Guys, this is the absolute ghetto. This is what the government's done to these airports. Bags everywhere. As far as the eye can see, bags, bags, bags. Nobody can find their bag. I've on a plane at 4.15 to go to, to Portugal. It is now 10... Can't see this. It is now 10.30 p.m. And no one has their bag. We haven't left the UK. I'm in Heathrow. I cannot find my bag. This is the reality of everybody's luggage lost. Heathrow is a ghetto. Heathrow is a zoo. There's no staff. There's no one behind a desk. It's 10.30 p.m. Nobody knows what their bag is. Everything I own is in these two bags, and nobody has a clue where they are. What is going on? Some of you aren't going to like what I'm saying. What you think of me is none of my business. I don't care. But know this. The rules in Qantas that protect people against prejudice apply to you. So if you're saying that that natural selection is going to deal with the idiots who don't get vaccinated, and you are not mindful of the fact that there might be people in your group who aren't vaccinated, then more fool you. If you're saying you're doing this for, out of patriotism and a sense of doing the right thing by your community, then don't in the very next breath say that you wish everybody who hasn't been vaccinated rots in their home without any privileges. Don't claim it. That's cheap patriotism. And it doesn't wash with me. It doesn't wash with me. And if anybody has been vaccinated because they felt the need to, because they've got to pay their mortgage and they want to get on there with their career, you have my support. You have the right to make your own decision. But don't damn me for being cautious. That's not on. That's not what we are. That's not the spirit of Australia, the flying kangaroo. It's not what we are. The only thing that's kept me sane in the last 18 months is Jesus Christ. And I'm not ashamed of that either, even though that's unfashionable. And I'd rather say what pleases him than what pleases men, because there's nothing I can say to men that could possibly please God if it pleased men. Galatians 1.10. On this rock I stand. Vaccine mandates. And vaccine passports are immoral, they're unpatriotic, and they're not on. And instead of calling all these people at the rallies anti-vaxxers, see them for who they are. They're freedom fighters. And they're fighting for your rights that you've given away. And that last person you heard was an Australian pilot. And of course, lots of pilots, again, are walking off of the job. So... I'm telling you what, canceled flights, lost baggage, uh, very few employees, damaged pilots again as a result of the jabs. This is going to wake some people up too. 
Every every building block that gets tipped over here is going to wake up more and more people the hard way. But they have to see it. Even the blind will eventually see these particular things. The double jab, triple jab, blind individuals. They've got to start putting these things together. So here's some more jab-related stuff, which again, not good. But uh, yeah, the Novavax stuff. So the company Novavax is back, and the FDA has just authorized emergency use of their COVID-19 vaccine for 18 years of age and older despite prior reports of myocarditis. It's almost like it's a competition as to which jab is deadlier. Is it Novavax? Is it... uh, is it the Pfizer? Is it the Moderna or the J&J? Is it the AstraZeneca or whatever? Not to mention, you've probably, you, you, you might remember Novavax because I brought it up on this show a long time ago. Novavax was the first company that said that they wanted all of these jabs to basically be in one shot with the flu shot. All in one giant needle. Essentially, a death sentence. Lethal injection, basically. All at once. That's Novavax in a nutshell. It blows me away that people would still believe any of this and actually just walk right into the slaughterhouse with any of this. Blows me away. Fauci. Fauci stuck his, uh, well, he just, he didn't stick anything in his mouth. He just opened it again. And my apologies again for bringing up the Gateway Pundit as frequently as I do. They get a lot of things right, but when it comes to false flags, they really get them wrong. They really do. I mean, they think Ashley Babbitt's dead. They think the Uvalde thing is real. You know, but but they don't believe January 6th. They're all in on January 6th, but only so, you know, only so far. So, don't uh, you know, don't shoot the messenger when I bring up Gateway Pundit. You know, I, I don't support the Hoft brothers at all. I don't give them any money. I'm not that dumb. But uh sometimes they they've got some decent headlines anyway. So, Anywho, Fauci was on Neil Cavuto, and uh, here's his audio in three, two, one. Dr. Anthony Fauci knows of what I speak. He had to endure COVID himself and a pretty bad case of it. The White House Chief Medical Advisor joining us now. Doctor, good to have you. How are you feeling? I'm doing real well, Neil. Thank you for asking. I'm actually fully recovered, and I'm essentially back to normal. Thank goodness. Now, you were you know, being treated again. Uh, was there a flare-up after the flare-up? What was going on there? Well, what happened is I was initially infected, and given my age, uh, at being a risk person at my age, I took Paxlovid, right. and it successfully diminished the symptoms pretty effectively. And then when I finished the course, I tested myself on a Monday, I was negative, Tuesday negative, Wednesday negative, but then on Thursday, it reverted back to positive. So simultaneously with that, literally within 12 hours, I started to get a return of symptoms with fever, with aches, with uh, you know some little bit of a cough, not very bad. So I went back on Paxlovid for another five days. That cleared things up very well. And now I've been negative for multiple, multiple days since then. So I'm doing very well, thanks. Um, let me ask you about this, because when people heard, oh my gosh, this has happened you know, to Dr. Anthony Fauci, uh, everyone knows someone who's gotten this again, and sometimes again after that, and uh, they're beginning to wonder, 
about the regimen for treating it. Uh, you know, uh, whether you get two vaccination shots, whether you get a booster, another booster, they just don't know. What do you tell them? Well, I, that, that's a great question, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to clarify it, Neil. There's no doubt that the vaccines themselves, particularly vaccine plus a booster at the appropriate time when you become eligible for a booster, for more than one booster, if you're over 50 years old, you get eligibility for two boosters. One of the things that's clear from the data that even though vaccines, because of the high degree of transmissibility of this virus, don't protect overly well, as it were, against infection. They protect quite well against severe disease leading to hospitalization and death. And I believe that's the reason, Neil, why at my age, being vaccinated and boosted, even though it didn't protect me against infection, I feel confident that it made a major role in protecting me from progressing to severe disease. And that's very likely why I had a relatively mild course. So my message to people who seem confused because people who are vaccinated get infected, the answer is, if you weren't vaccinated, the likelihood you would have more severe course than you did have when you were vaccinated. I know you heard that. I mean, I, you know, I got to tell you what. I know you heard that. It, I, I almost can't even repeat it. It's so stupid, and I feel like I would be losing brain cells and actually hear myself losing brain cells if I were to repeat anything that that monster, psychopath, sociopath just said. Uh, you're smart people. I'm not even going to repeat it. I will say this, just like Rochelle Walensky. You know, we, we see all these insurance commercials. Random tree branches falling on cars. And you hear that occasional story of, you know, someone went out for a jog and a tree branch fell on them and, you know, something terrible happened. Can we just have a tree branch? You know, can, 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 uh, can Fauci just, you know, go walk his dog and splat? You know what I mean? Something like that. Again, it doesn't have to be overly graphic. It doesn't have to be dramatic. We don't have to wait for some kind of a, uh, oh, I don't know, a Nuremberg 2.0 trial kind of thing. You know, Dr. Atkins of the famous Atkins diet died slipping on a piece of ice outside of his apartment and landed on his head and died. You know... A patch of ice, something like that. I'm just throwing it out there, you know, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Who knows? So there's the hypocritical doctor who apparently claims that the jabs are healthy enough to prevent serious disease, and yet countless people are dying from it. Hmm. And finally, ladies and gentlemen, this comes from Zero Hedge. Emails confirm why the CDC changed the definitions of vaccine and vaccinated. Newly obtained emails confirm that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention changed its definition for both vaccine and vaccinated because people were pointing out that the definitions didn't seem to apply to the COVID-19 vaccines. Now, if you recall, 
they actually changed the definitions in Merriam-Webster's dictionary. I believe in March of 2020. I chronicled that definition change back then, and then it eventually made its way into the CDC's paperwork around August of 2021. But the actual dictionary, the English dictionary, changed the definition of what a vaccine was to add in messenger RNA as being labeled as a vaccine. Don't believe me? Just go look up the definition in Merriam-Webster's dictionary right now. I believe it's the B definition. There's the A definition of what a vaccine is and then the B definition. Absolutely ridiculous. Okay. I wanted to mention this too. This was from a listener in Canada who emailed me, and thank you for emailing me. You know who you are. But they basically had a couple of suggestions. They again, and this is an approach that has that has existed here in the States, and I know in the UK rather thoroughly, but it's it's a it's a good reminder that it, it wouldn't hurt people to make up information cards that they keep in their wallets or purses or whatever, that are bl- very blunt and to the point. Things that would say things like, again, COVID is a lie, your government is lying to you, stop taking the shots, they're killing people. And then put, uh, put a quick hyperlink or even a small little QR code link to a website and just leave these particular places. Um, you know, me personally, I was I started doing this, I want to say back in like 2018. I was leaving random cards, random places, whether it was hotel rooms, restaurants, golf courses, whatever. Um, wherever I would go, I would I would leave these. I remember even leaving them inside of raffle jars. I walked into a restaurant once with some family members and there was a raffle jar there where you could put in your business card or whatever else, and then you know they would reach in and, and pull out a person's business card, and then you would have an event catered or something like that. I just dropped my information cards in there that were just like that. It had a couple of websites on it, bullet points of things for people to consider and then look things up, and then say it would say things like, wake up from the matrix, everything that you believe or that you were taught in school is a lie. And then, you know, hopefully somebody actually comes across it and does not disregard it and actually takes it seriously. So they had an excellent suggestion, and I, I, I'm passing along that suggestion. I highly recommend doing that. They also said that approximately where they live anyway, that about half of the people are still wearing masks in Canada. So, yeah, not good. It's way less than half where I live, but uh, I know it's different lots of different places. So. There's that. There's also this breakdown from Sicily in New Mexico, and she sent me some really great stuff here, and and it's a lot of information, and I'm grateful for it, and I'm going to bring this up kind of as quickly as I can here. The first is a headline which I put out on my Gab account, and it's titled, Methodist Church's First Drag Queen Pastor, quote-unquote, as they say, God is nothing, unquote. And this was from approximately two months ago, a month and a half ago. It says, in a new poem, a gender-bending minister for the nation's third largest denomination says that queerness is divine. And it's a dude in a red wig and makeup, and it's disgusting. So there's that. 
She wrote this to me. She said, quote, I had a bad feeling about the Methodist church after I realized the whole town attends. And by whole town, I mean the SUP, superintendent, I assume. Uh, let's not forget he retired because of how people have treated him, quote unquote. His cousin, my old principal, numerous board members, and other teachers, and the AD all attend. So this, this snippet from this article makes perfect sense to me. Let's talk about the AD, Creep. Uh, he was the head football coach for almost 30 years, multiple championships. In 2008, he was found not guilty for assaulting a student at a basketball game. And I'm fairly certain there's a pending lawsuit against him. Sort of Joe Paterno Sandusky stuff. I'll link a couple of articles about him. It's very hush-hush. Now I'm certain the Methodist Church is a cult too, explains so much. And then there's a couple of stories here about this guy. This particular coach, uh, let's see. Artesia, if I'm saying that right, Artesia's Cooper Henderson wins another one. And picture of him, I guess, some championship he won. So there's that. And there's another picture of him here too. Prep football, Artesius Henderson resigns. And this was from March 2nd of 2016. The corruption in, you know, and this is valuable stuff here. The corruption in K-12 education runs so deep and so thick that the cover-ups are equally as bad as the crimes themselves. And the number of people that cover this stuff up year after year after year is astounding. This other story she sent me, and I'm going to play the audio and wrap up the episode with this. This was from a year ago, and it had to do again with a previous student who, who had an inappropriate relationship with his teacher, and the teacher against this student, I should say. And uh, again, it took 20 years, it says, to get past the point where you can accept your abuse and come forward. So, honest to God, please stop sending your children to American schools. Just stop it. Just stop it. Homeschool. Homeschool. Online education for university and college. There's minimal travel involved. You can do it all online. They can read and investigate anything they like, and they are more likely to be safe and less likely to be sexually abused and indoctrinated. So here's the audio. This, again, was from one year ago in New Mexico. Here it is. Of an inappropriate relationship with a student that dates back 20 years. But on special assignment, News 13's Lizay Mitri discovered this is not the first time that someone raised a red flag. In fact, the state and the school he was teaching at decades ago could have fired him and taken away his license to teach, but they didn't. Jake Lee is done staying silent. It take 20 years to get to this point where you can accept your abuse and come forward. His story starts at Artesia Intermediate School. I was in sixth grade when I, when I met Rodney Wright. Lee was about 11 or 12 years old. It's shocking to me now because that's how old my oldest son is. He says Wright took a special interest in him over the years. At Artesia Park Junior High School, he says Wright was his ninth grade history teacher. And then in high school, Lee made the varsity football team. Wright was a coach. When I entered Artesia High School, which you enter in sophomore year there in Artesia, is when the abuse began and then continued through my junior and senior year at Artesia High School. 
roughly between 1999 and 2001, he says. He was a teenager. Now Lee is 38 years old. He wrote this blog last year, identifying himself publicly for the first time as a sexual abuse survivor. It's stolen a lot of moments from me. It's prevented me from, you know, finding true happiness in parts of my life when I should have. And it's just not okay that he did that to me. Wright didn't respond to our interview requests. Currently, the 52-year-old is not charged with any crimes, but the Artesia Police Department is investigating. And because Wright is still a licensed educator in New Mexico, the Public Education Department, or PED, also launched an investigation. And it turns out this isn't the first time. While Lee didn't report Wright 20 years ago, another student did. We got this PED investigation that lays it all out. It shows the inappropriate behavior Wright admitted to back in 2000 was grounds for getting fired and losing his license to teach in New Mexico. But that never happened. The investigation found Wright sent an email with descriptions of sexual activities to a female Artesia high school student. And the student said it wasn't just through email that Wright verbally made conversation that contained sexual content or made her feel uneasy. A letter from the superintendent at the time, James Phipps, states he was going to fire Wright, but when Wright asked if he could resign instead, he agreed. The superintendent explained he believed once PED got the case, they would revoke his teaching license anyway. But PED also went easy on Wright. It's just troubling to know that something like that can happen and that they, someone can stay in education. This letter from the education department describes Wright's behavior as, quote, substantial grounds for disciplinary action up to and including revocation of licenses. Yet with no explanation as to why, it goes on to state the director of professional licensure, Marilyn Scargall, offered Wright a deal. To continue his teaching career in New Mexico, he only had to see a psychotherapist for at least five counseling sessions and have the therapist write a letter stating Wright was unlikely to repeat the behavior that forced him to leave his job in Artesia. And he's just been able to keep teaching um, and not only teaching, advancing his career. Most recently, Wright worked for Belen Consolidated Schools, getting promotions from Belen High School principal reason why uh, we weren't coming uh, to assistant superintendent of academics his employment came to an end last summer here's superintendent lawrence sanchez when, when the balloon consolidated schools were made aware by the public education department of concerns about mr wright's licensure immediate action was taken by the district he said he can't specify if wright was fired or if he resigned ped has been investigating since lee filed a complaint nine months ago just yesterday, they told News 13 they notified Wright they are considering revoking his license. And as far as the criminal investigation... The district attorney and the detectives are still in conference about, um, about the next steps. While Artesia police have not publicly named Wright as the suspect, we know they're looking into Lee's case. And the statute of limitations to prosecute this type of child sex crime makes this decades-old case challenging. But Commander Lindell Smith says... If that person was caused great mental anguish, then the statute of limitations is just... Basically, that's what we're working with right now, is a set of... a complicated set of statutes. <laughs> The waiting game has been really, really hard. Lee is waiting for the outcome in Portland, Oregon, where he lives with his family and teaches the second grade. And even though he left his hometown of Artesia, the memories stick with him. 
on special assignment. Liz Amy Tree, KRQE News 13. The Education Department said it will not comment on Wright's investigation from 20 years ago to avoid jeopardizing the current open investigation. The former Artesia Public School superintendent and the former director of PED's licensure unit also denied our interview requests. And the student who was sexually abused apparently uh, all those years ago, and as you heard in the report, he is now gay, married, and has two adopted children. So there's that. I mean, look, if, if you're going to continue to send your children to these institutions, and I know that people have their reasons, and I've beat the dead horse as often as one can beat it, that if you can read and you can write, you can teach yourself. This is a fact. This is a fact. The matrix requires that people don't understand that fact. It wants to keep people pacified and submitted to the system and to the machine. But if you're going to send your children to these institutions or you still work within them, with this upcoming year right around the corner, you had better be prepared to get involved. And I mean involved from an investigative criminal standpoint. Because laws will be broken here in the upcoming school year. Regardless of where you go to school, it will happen. And what you don't know is whether or not those laws will be broken against your child. Which means, again, how involved are you prepared to get? You'd better be 100% prepared to get involved if you're still sending your children to these institutions. And, I might add, if you work within these institutions, you had better be prepared to get involved. Have a small meeting with those that you trust and those that you work with, or even people that don't work with you within the building but you know outside of the building, and tell them that if the proverbial shit hits the fan this school year, that you are taking this to the wall. That you're going to go after all of these people who are involved in this based on their employment within their district, and you're going to do whatever you have to do to hold them accountable. But you've got to do it in numbers. If people have learned nothing over the last two and a half years, you've got to do this in numbers. And how many more times is it going to take before, again, you just say enough is enough and we're not, we're not attending this place anymore or we're not working in this place anymore? Again, if you don't do it in numbers, it's less likely to stick. They've been passing that teacher around for 20 years. New Mexico has been playing catch with that teacher for 20 years. Don't think it's just happened with him or just New Mexico. That's American K-12 in a nutshell. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll catch you on Monday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.